0: This is a weekly podcast by Denver Transplants. I'm Andrew, and I'm Mateo, and this is you aren't from. <laughs> wow, I really trying to throw a wrench into my schedule here. I gotta mix it up
1: every once in a while, dude. It's like the same. We got we got the intro, but you gotta you gotta keep. I gotta keep you listeners, everyone on their toes. So
0: yeah, no, I mean, it threw me off a little bit there.
1: Spice it up a little bit, but yeah, man. So all right, another week, another day, another dollar. So um last week hopefully everyone really enjoyed the little man ice cream episode got some really good feedback and you know we know that's a that's a popular one popular spot most people probably know about that but this week we want to mix it up a little bit and you guys may have heard of the place that um is kind of the focal point of this interview but it is much more of a kind of neighborhood mom and pop bagel shop and so this is one of the first ones where we really um We're are are really pumped about you know really getting some exposure out there for you know some of these smaller places, and then hopefully you know in five years this is the bagel place, and we were on the you know the front end of discovering it. So you know. Go ahead.
0: ahead, No, you go ahead. I was going to add that I think if you live in the Highlands, you will disagree with Matt's statement of on the rise, but if you live any part of the other city around the city, you might agree with Matt. On the, what do you mean on the rise? Like Because you said like it's like rising. It's like not small business, like really small. It's getting bigger. But really, if you're in the Highlands, it's huge. Like everybody loves this place.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So anyways, without further ado, the interview today is with Leroy's Bagels. And so again, I'm a city parker. I'm not in the Highlands, never heard of this place, went there literally for this episode. The reason I bring that up, and I didn't even know, that's why I love this podcast, right, is I had no idea what other bagel places were out there. And in talking with, you know, in our interview, it's it's just very, you know, it's very eye-opening of what other bagel places are, you know, have cult followings and all that stuff. And so it was not only great and eye-opening just to try Leroy's, which was amazing, but also to see what else is out there, you know, for popular bagel places, because I had no idea.
0: Yeah, and the, we interviewed Sarah Green, who's the current owner of Leroy's Bagels. Yes, correct. a so, plug there. Yes, um,
1: yes, our interview with Sarah, who's great. And so yeah. I do, I, I feel like I have to say this, and again, like we always do our interviews, since we're doing Leroy's, this is what we, this is going to count as our what did we try this week. So I feel like I could talk a little bit about it without derailing us a little bit. And I have to say, and I'm not in the business. I'm not. I'm not talking bad about other places, but I know um, when I had Leroy's, it was amazing. Loved it. The breakfast sandwiches. You'll see all the. you'll, You'll hear all about it. But one thing that I learned also is that there's a place called Rosenberg's, and you've probably heard about Rosenberg's. Very popular place. So I was like, you know what? After this interview, I've got to go try it. Right. I will say about Leroy's is. I, and you know how I am after, after our, um, illegal Pete's bang for the bucks. Huge it goes very far for me. Right. I'm always looking if a place is delicious, but I'm paying astronomical prices. It yeah. brings it down a little bit for me. I
0: mean, you're, um, you're a Midwest uh, guy. You're a Midwest guy. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's just, I,
1: I appreciate a good deal. And what I will say is Leroy's has the best bang for your buck in the city that I've tried so far. And granted, that's basically two places. But I just know Rosenberg's has this huge reputation and Rosenberg's is very good. But you're paying twice as much, if not more, um, at Rosenberg's than you are at Leroy's. And man, I I love Leroy's. So that's my my plug. We don't really necessarily talk and run comparisons in the interview, but I felt obligated to bring that up because... You know, that's the whole point of this podcast, right? We're learning with you guys. And so I, if you if you hear this episode, definitely go to Leroy's. If you want to give, you know, have some other place for comparison, Rosenberg's is really good. So give it a shot and then let us know what you think. But just a, yeah. uh, you know, after my first try on both of them, that was kind of a, what I what I figured out and discovered mm-hmm. for myself. So.
0: Oh. And how did you feel about that uh, weekend coldness, man?
1: Dude, yeah. It's, I mean, we went to... Um, we went to A Basin and skied. I mean, it was like negative five up there; it was freezing. So it actually wasn't bad. The snow I and mean, it was snowing like it was snowing the last time we were there. Sweat. So I, I'm mm-hmm. two for two at A Basin this year on and getting snow. But the, the snow was really great, and you know we we over bundled, and it actually wasn't too bad. But man, it was. Um, I mean it's it's yeah.
0: freezing. It's freezing. That's what. Uh, that's I'm. I'm in Dallas right now, and I was in Dallas this weekend. They got three inches of snow. And it's the funny. I mean, it's insane. The city just absolutely shuts down. Yeah. People have Range Rovers and they're just like dead at home. Like they're they're not leaving their house. They're not the grocery stores. All the bread's gone. Milk is gone. It's like mayhem in the streets. And we today the power went out throughout the entire city. Like to the point where I mean, half my friends were just like, "Well, I guess I'm not working today because I can't my my computer can't stay charged and I have no Wi Fi."
1: Yeah. That's dude. That's I didn't. That's what I was telling that's you crazy. earlier. My company's based out of Dallas. All of our servers were down all day. So it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, I feel weird saying it, but I'm like, I, I mean, I feel like I should be working, and I kind of want to work to get some stuff done. But there's literally nothing I can do. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'm chilling today. Happy Monday. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> well, it's hilarious, just that like our city, Denver. Like, I mean, obviously it's built for it because it happens. But Denver, like, snows like 12 inches, and nothing changes. Snows oh, yeah. like two inches in any other city that's below like the state of like Missouri and it's just like mayhem.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I definitely called all my friends and in my family in Texas and was like, are you guys okay? And then I kind of realized I'm like, I'm calling to make sure they're okay after three inches of snow. Like, and granted don't get me wrong, like the pileups and the black ice, it's still sketchy and it's sketchy enough. Like the reason you're in Dallas is because your flight got delayed. So you can't leave. Yeah. So. No, I
0: got canceled. I can't fly out for two days later so yeah
1: so you're kind of yeah
0: so it's not it's
1: not you know we joke but like i mean it's it's what happens when you don't have snow and then you throw texas drivers who are already crappy onto trains (laughs) that they can't handle normally it's like it's just a recipe for disaster
0: (laughs) yeah and i mean that leads us into kind of our first what did we know or what did we learn this week uh this week i just wanted to talk about I hadn't really realized this, but I've realized like a lot of my friends that are big backcountry skiers this year weren't really going backcountry skiing. Um, I was kind of curious on why not, just because it seemed like last week and the week before were like very good snow weeks. So like, why would you not be backcountry skiing or why would you be up there? Um, and I looked into it and I mean, it got to the point where the Colorado governor, Jared Polis, this week came out and said, I guess the snowpack this year was extremely dangerous. There's been eight Coloradans that have died um, and a couple, four of them, I believe were last week. Um, And mainly what I read into was there was extreme, exceptionally weak snowpack that favors avalanches when snow falls. So my understanding was that there was like the initial snows back in October happened, but there wasn't enough snow at the beginning of the season. And then there was like a long period where there wasn't any more snow after that fact. And based on what happened was that initial snow came down. It had a freezing level over the top and then every single snow after the fact, just, it just avalanches extremely easily to the point where Jared Polis made a comment on it and told people, you know, be very safe when you go out there almost to the point where he's saying like you probably don't need to go out there if you don't really have to or have the experience to do so. Yeah. 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 That's kind of crazy. I mean, I, Sorry, my friends, about it. And they're like, you know, even if you have friends that understand avalanches and understand the knowledge and like how to ski through avalanches and whatnot, it's like everybody in your crew has to have like avalanche courses and avalanche safety course.
1: Yeah, well, dude, that's no joke, man. Yeah, that it's uh, you know not something I'm trying to mess with. (laughs) Even if I (laughs) could do it normally, uh, it's not, you know, it basically what you're saying is the risk reward may not be there. There's probably better times like later in the season or next year when there's not that much advice causing mayhem.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it pretty ominously says this year is just like kind of a wash. Like you just can't do it. Um, And I think the sad part is, is because of all the precautions that have been taken at the mountains, this was expected to be like a really big backcountry year because you know, all the mountains are the precautions. They have longer lines. Sometimes you can't ski certain mountains. So it's supposed to be like this huge backcountry year. And instead, we get this terrible base layer, and it just ruins the season.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Gary was running in the back. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I think, I mean, that's interesting. And I in, in this one, at least going to be a little different because I'm going to talk about a little something that I learned, too, just kind of in real time, right? So as I mentioned, um, we went to A-basin this weekend and if you've been to a basin if you have the icon pass you've probably been if you haven't you may go later the way to get to a basin the quickest way is to take 70 all the way up there and then you get off at loveland by the ski area and then go up sixth highway which is loveland pass right so we went up on saturday morning got all the way to the loveland ski area and found out the pass was closed so me being new to Colorado having speed a basin once prior to this and the pass was open. I, my wife and I were like, what in the heck do we do? It was there a way that we could have figured this out to so where he didn't have to get off and lose 30 minutes. And so basically wanted to talk about, there's two ways to get to a basin. So we'll start there. So the easiest, well, I, would way also,
0: off- I would also add, this does impact kind of Keystone as well. Yes. People do go over the past as well to get to Keystone.
1: Right. Right. A hundred percent. It does. It does impact Keystone. So, there are two ways to get to A-Basin and Keystone. The first is going up to the, going up the pass, right? So you get off on, you, you take 70 up, get off. And then again, it's, it's Highway 6, but it's right by Loveland uh, Ski Area. And so you go up the pass and then you're right there. And then a little farther past A-Basin is Keystone. Now, if that's closed, which I'll get to how you figure that out in a second. The other way is you continue to take 70 up through Silverthorne. Exit at Silverthorn and basically just go through Keystone, past Keystone, and then there's a basin. So, well,
0: and the, the kind of crappy part about that one is you have to go up through 70 and go through like the whole tunnel. Yeah. So like, you're yeah. You're on the way out. Way out, it doesn't hurt too much in traffic, but way back going that way like kills you in traffic. Yeah. So
1: it's, it's not ideal, right? And so you go through up to Silverthorne, go like you're going to Keystone, but instead of stopping through Keystone, you just go straight through, right? So you get hit with all the keystone traffic, breck traffic, people continuing to go to Vale, all that stuff. So it just kind of sucks because you get A Basin when you can take the pass, you get off 70 as fast as you can. And then you're really only dealing with Loveland, A Basin, and Keystone traffic. You're only messing with three mountains, whereas when you continue on 70, you're going down there's a hundred mountains, right? And that's exaggeration, but that that's all the big ones, right? So that's the second so to answer your question if if the pass is closed that's the only other way to get there is you go through up 70 through silverthorn go to keystone go through keystone now the way that we could have avoided this right is probably had some you know forethought and actually looked up is the pass closed right so there is a website called cotrip.org. it is basically the colorado's department of transportation website that essentially has a whole section with maps and alerts and all this stuff. And it actually will tell you whether Loveland Pass is open or closed, right? So I don't know about you. I mean, you can obviously, the way I found this is literally looking up like Loveland Pass, like closures and you find it, but so you don't like need to memorize it. But if you go to cotrip.org, you can see in real time when the pass is open or closed. And that way you don't have to mess with getting off turning around getting back mm-hmm. on 70 we just we basically lost 30 minutes if we from doing that if uh, and we could have saved that if we would have just looked at this and saw that the pass was closed so yeah and that
0: and that to add uh, I mean that that website pretty much if there's like any like big huge blizzards like last year there was like, again a massive snow that was like really like blowing snow and it was really like dangerous that will tell you all the closures on i-70 as well yeah. like right an hour shut down like there was not bail pass shut down last year there was a couple places that shut down to where like you couldn't get to Aspen unless you went up like some kind of weird way it'll kind of tell you everything as close to real time as possible
1: right right so that that was interesting very quick uh what did you learn here but again the, the whole point of that is just we're new to this city or i'm mostly more new than sweat than as you guys are so this is these are actual things that i'm learning in real time and same with sled. so um hopefully that's helpful and hopefully saves you 30 minutes or so in the future
0: (laughs) um all right well moving on matt where do we go this week okay so i'm pumped about this one
1: right so i I would
0: add i would have gone somewhere this weekend with matt and it would have definitely been on valentine's day with him and his wife i would have third wheeled yeah but I was out of town. That was the issue.
1: You were stranded. So very excited about this one. This was a Valentine's Day idea. Now, if you know I, what's helpful about this is context, right? So my wife is born and raised on Disney, is a Disney lover, views animals as probably more sacred than humans, and so I bring that up because like hunting, not her thing. We'll just leave it at that. It wants nothing to do. You with don't
0: want to. You don't want to go on debate right now.
1: No, no. So just leave it <laughs> at that. So. I took her to um an archery range because I took her to a gun range in Texas she hated that. So I was like okay archery's a little more tame it's not as like aggressive and it's actually like it's fun like you you're not like you can shoot arrows at targets and like it doesn't there's no killing involved right and so I took her to a place called No Limits Archery and it is the the address I mean the address is 3050 78th Avenue so it's up north It's about, you know, 15, maybe 15 minutes away from Highlands area. Um, So it's really not that far. The cool part about no limits archery, right? So we, we went in and they have rental equipment. The guy, the owner there, who's like a level three, whatever that means, like trainer, literally gave us like a five minute crash course of like, here's how you put the arrows in and here's how you shoot it. And so they let you shoot two different kinds of bows. They have a recurve which is what they call like the Robin Hood bow, right? So it's like the the straight up, like the normal, what you expect, not very intensive. It's like a bow with a string, right? And you shoot it. They also have- Did comp- you,
0: did you steal from the rich while you're doing it? Uh, yeah. So- it to the
1: <laughs> Yeah, but so, and so she, so that the second one is the, is the compound those, right? So- the compound bows are like the intense ones, right? Like those are the ones that have like the motors and the sights and shit, and it's like it's like intense. So we did the recurve because we were like, you know what? Like, I mean, I'd love to shoot a compound bow. I've never shot one, but knowing my wife, you know, Robin style.
0: I mean, you wanted to feel like
1: you wanted to feel like Robin on Valentine's so. Day for sure. Exactly. Well, that's what she said. She's like, "Did you think of this because of Cupid?" And I was like, "Uh huh." <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly why. Uh huh.
0: So wow. was, you know, it's a high Keep IQ. Are you sure you're not Cupid himself over there?
1: No, trust me. My wife tell you that is, that's definitely not the case. But um, <laughs> so anyways, so what they do is they essentially, you you rent equipment and you rent by the hour. Now, Carly and I were there for like probably an hour and a half. Cause after, you know, it's, you're shooting a target, right? So after, after an hour and a half, it's not like, I mean, you're kind of like, okay, that was fun. You know, um, they are very, I mean, prices are insanely cheap. I think it was, the equipment comes with the time, so we invent. Are we? We were there for an hour and a half. We each got our own bow and three arrows, and I think it was like thirty bucks for an hour and a half. So, and wow. that's that's for the recurve. I think compound's twenty dollars per person per hour. So again, it's not cheaper
0: much. for compound. You what? It's cheaper for compound.
1: No, 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 no. So it's it's twenty dollars per person per hour. Got Recurve's fifteen. So Carla and I both got our bow and they, they bring, you have like a shorter target because when you have a rental, they know you don't know what you're doing. And so they bring targets up close. Um,
0: it's, but, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the red license, but
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, sure. Something like that. And so exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to stay away because they probably don't know what they're doing and driving. So, so yeah, so it was, but I mean, it was like one of those things where I'm like, I never would have thought like that. Would, she would have really enjoyed it. And she freaking loved it. Like she had a blast and it was like, the the uh, recurve bows are definitely more like finicky and like you can you can aim at the same spot, do the same exact thing, and the arrow is going to go a different direction because it's like there's a lot more. It's not as like concise. There's not as much bells and whistles like there are in a compound bow, so it makes it a little more fun. And with her and I were like competing, and it was just kind of a fun little fun little trip. And so definitely would recommend it. Like if my wife would like it, trust me your your wife girlfriend boyfriend whomever would like it and it for 30 bucks like go for an hour and a half on a sunday like we did and it's a really cool like date night way to get out of the house and do something
0: fun well my favorite part i think about it is like it sounds like say you have a girlfriend that isn't really a big into that kind of situation hunting or even into like shooting bows it's like you she can do like the really basic one act like robin hood and then if your boyfriend's like pretty serious, he can like do the compound bow. Well, yeah, dude. And that's what, so that's what happened is we,
1: we were there with, it was honestly all couples that was there. It was really weird. And it was literally that exact same thing. It was the guys had compound bows, except in our instance, I still had a recurve. because so I don't know what the heck that I was doing. <laughs> but they had guys that were like really into archery with their like compound bows. And it looked like the girlfriend or wife was like, hey, I want to come. And in one instance, she, the wife was shooting a recurve bow and then in another this girl was whipping out compound bow shots hitting tart like bullseyes like a badass so it's like is it like you literally had like that couple who's like the most experienced you had the other couple who had like the guy with the compound bone and the wife or the girlfriend with the recurve Then you had carly and me with both with a recurve not knowing what the heck we're doing luckily we didn't send an arrow through the roof like but it was just like it was so fun I and mean, it like it is weird when you walk in just cause it like, it, it could be a little intimidating just when you have a bunch of people with compound bows shooting and you're looking around like, what do I do? Uh, uh, but I mean, after you got past and you got in there and started talking to the guy at the front desk, it was like, it was awesome. Everyone was like, giving tips and like letting yeah. us shoot their compound bows. It was like, it was like a really cool open, like community too. So. Yeah.
0: I love that idea. So what would you rate it? Dude,
1: that one, I'm giving that like a, Probably like an eight five. Uh, I, I I literally for the price and what you can do. I mean, it, it'd probably get a higher rating if I was super into archery. But like, you know, like it's one of those things where it's kind of like paintball, right? Like you have the people that are really into it, and then you have the people that just want to go shoot their Tippmann ninety five, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Lord knows where the paintballs are going to go with that thing. Like ninety
0: eight, okay, ninety
1: eight right. or whatever. Yeah, and so it's like that where like you walk in, and I was expecting to be like, I was a pretty intimidated because everyone was like in camo and like shoot compound bows and everyone was like so nice and it was like it was such a really it was a really cool time and carly loved it it was like i got a bunch of brownie points for creativity so definitely recommend going and again for 30 bucks you could go hey it, leave and you spent 30 bucks right yeah but like at a gun range if
0: you if you go i please ask that somebody if you go and please dress up either as Robin Hood or Cupid and please send us a photo. That would be amazing. Actually, that was a missed opportunity.
1: If I showed up with like a diaper and wings.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, your wife probably cut your head off, but it'd been hilarious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, cause I, I kept it a secret from her. So if I did that, she would probably have never gotten in the car anyways. So yeah, but yeah, that would be, that'd be great. So eight five that's it's no limits. Archery is the the name of it. Again, it's on 78th Avenue, three Oh five Oh 78th avenue and uh you know really really cool time if you're looking for you know something quick and fun and different definitely recommend it
0: yeah i love that so once again um i will be on ir this week on beer of the week um good old dallas flights southwest still love you but um canceled all the flights coming home sunday and monday so i will be home on tuesday so i'm on ir but matt what's our beer of the week so we're sticking with
1: Colorado Native, and I believe this is the last week for Colorado Native, and we are on the last beer of the, the kind of assortment pack that we bought, uh, and this is the Colorado Native Pills. Now, I know you're upset because this sounds like, you know, knowing your style, this is your style, so you're sticking me with it. What the little note on the can says, Colorado is a beer state. and has been before it was even a state. So naturally, we made this crisp pills to remind you of why you came here in the first place. So, yeah,
0: I think this so is, right that's bat, that's why you came to Colorado, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Beer and weed and libations <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. The, the reasons are endless. Right? Um, <laughs> so, so right off the bat, before I even taste it, I will say this is a five percent ABV, which I thought was interesting, right? Because that IPA that we had was like what five eight five it was like i thought it was in the five so i'm already and i I wouldn't really anticipate pills and ipas being close in abv so i'm already thinking this is going to be one of those really crafty pills but we will see
0: yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised with colorado natives way of doing things okay honestly
1: so very Exactly kind of what I was expecting. So you get about, you get about 60% craft, 40% pills. And what I mean by that is there's way more.
0: Oh hops, yeah. Oh yeah. More, I know exactly what that means. Way more hops,
1: way more malt. Don't sass me. Way, way more hops, way more malts or maltiness than you would expect. Like if you're looking for like, it, it's going back exactly to the Mexican lager. Like I was saying, it's like you have like 40% of your traditional, what you would expect and then 60% of this like fancy craft additions that in that case took away from it. This one is like, I get like 40% Coors light and then 60% like added flavor malts and hops that actually, in my opinion, this may be my favorite Colorado native that I've had. And the reason I say that is because if you like traditional Coors light pills, you're not gonna like it. Uh, mm. It's It's much more, it's in my opinion, like sixty percent, like pale ale, forty percent pilsner.
0: Yeah, and I think you said with the IPA it was like eighty percent, twenty percent. So yeah. kind of so this I one when I I think when I've tried this pilsner before, which I think I have, I think I felt it was too overpowering.
1: Yeah, kinda. it's definitely uh, it's definitely a like craft beer lovers pilsner, and like because for me, like dude, like the like the, the Coors Lights and the Bud Lights and the Miller Lights, like if I'm playing beer games, that's fine. But like, I just can't, I, there's, I just would not like, I don't, don't enjoy just sitting there drinking a Coors light. Like, I don't yeah. think it tastes good. Like, I mean, it tastes fine, but if I'm going to like sip on something, I want something like a little more, this is like, if it's a really hot summer day and I'm looking to like actually sip on something, I, you know, I'm not going for a Coors. I'd probably go for this over that just cause it's got a little more bang, bang for the buck. Right. That bang. makes
0: sense. Makes sense. For you.
1: For me. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think you would I don't think you'd like it because I think it's trying to it's blending between a bunch of different styles to where it really doesn't like I guess you could call it a Pilsner, but like it's it's in between like two or three other designations, like styles. So okay. I don't know. I like it. I'm gonna give it a six eight. Oof. I like it. Again, Pilsner's not my style, so like it probably gets dinged a little bit from that. But I mean, like I said, honestly, out of all of them, this may be maybe my my favorite, and it's probably just because my bar for pilsners is pretty low. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, nothing against Colorado native, but uh, if it takes a really good IPA to get a good score out of me, and the pilsners, I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, Pilsner's pilsner, and this one's actually pretty good. So yeah, six eight, Colorado native pilsner. That's uh, I
0: like it. So yeah, that is. Uh... That's so what you've come to know and love. And now we will get on to the – along with the interview with Sarah Green. Give it a try. Give a couple different bagel places a try. I can promise yep. you you're going to like Leroy's best. I, I I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong.
1: Other places are great. And yep. they, you're, you're going to find a very similar style and dynamic at each. When it ultimately comes down to – a lot of places have great bagels. A lot of places have great spreads. But if you're looking for a place that like really is like neighborhood, you get the neighborhood vibe and you're not looking to pay $12 for a bagel sandwich, Leroy's pretty hard to beat.
0: So yeah. I mean, it's the same as Leroy's. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's amazing. So sit back, relax, enjoy interview with Sarah Green and this is uh Leroy's Bagels. Love you guys. Peace. All right everyone well we have Sarah Green here with Leroy's Bagels. Sarah thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah thanks for having me.
1: So just to kind of get us kicked off here so tell us in our viewers a little bit about yourself kind of your background and then what you know why why you started Leroy's Bagels in the first place.
2: Okay. Um. I so I'm actually from Colorado originally. I grew up in Boulder, um, and I <laughs> snuck out of school quite a bit um, to have to get bagels every morning. So that was kind of where this all started. <laughs> nice. okay. And um, I we grew up with Mo's, which still to this day is one of my favorite um, bagel shops. But they were between we like had to walk from building to building sometimes and we would always sneak off and, and go get bagels. So, um, but yeah, so from Boulder and and grew up, you know, having bagels a lot. And I stayed in Boulder for a while. I went to see you for a little bit and pretty quickly realized that we were just kind of wasting our money. I wasn't loving what I was doing in school. Um, and I, had a pretty serious talk with my parents and decided to change courses and did a complete 180. And I ended up moving to New York for culinary school. Um, so I went upstate CIA for two and a half years. And my full focus there was doing food media, um, which I thankfully and successfully worked, uh, within that sphere for almost nine years. Um, and, through that, I like kind of got thrown a few other curveballs and started uh, working still within the food industry, but um, doing more like retail side of things. And I just, I loved it and clicked. And I realized that I, I knew, also knew, I should say that I, I knew early on that I wasn't going to be in New York forever. So it was a goal of mine to get back to Colorado and kind of finding my niche in New York really helped me hone in on what I wanted to ultimately do back in Colorado. Um, so for those that know Leroy's or, or know our story or have, you know, come for a long time since we've been open, then they know that we've haven't always been Leroy's. Um, it was actually started by another woman who lived in the neighborhood at the time. And it was called Dud Leroy's, and no one could pronounce it. It was just known as like the bagel shop. Um, So she started it. I was in the meantime, like still in New York, but looking to get back to Colorado and she and I connected and became partners in the business in 2016 or 2017, I guess it was. Um, So that was what ultimately brought me back here. So the business had already been, we'll say established for like lack of better term, but um, it's changed quite a bit since then. Um, So she and I became partners. We just kind of had like a come to Jesus moment a few years in and realized that we wanted different things and had different visions for the business. Um, And I ended up buying the business outright from her, which is how it became Leroy's. Um, So ever since then, it's kind of been my own little baby and I've been able to take it in the direction that I want. And it's grown into what it is today. And thankfully, it's it's stayed a neighborhood staple and it's been a really, really fun, uh, really challenging <laughs> venture. So,
1: well, that makes a lot more sense because I, I, I didn't even think of it until you just said it. When I put Leroy's into my Waze app, it, mm-hmm. it said Dud Leroy's or Dud Leroy's or however you say it. And I was like, no. And I literally, right when I was pulling, like getting pretty close, I was like, did I just did this thing just take me to the completely wrong area? And I was like, no, it's it's the right one. So it's interesting you mentioned that because I think it still pops up in ways for some reason. But There's
2: still like, I don't know if anyone uses Bing, but I think in Bing, it still pops up that way. Like we have put in so many requests to change it. It's <laughs> like haunting us, but um, yeah. So originally that was kind of how, right. like what it started out as and what it is now.
0: Luckily, not that many people use Bing. I don't think I know that Cool. Um, if anybody that uses Bing. So yeah. like not too many fa- people face that issue. <laughs>
2: Thankfully, unless you use Waze.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> unless you're like Matt. <laughs> Tech savvy. Um, so focusing a little bit more, um, you took over Leroy's, I guess it was a, few, a couple of years ago, um, and changed kind of the model that you wanted and changed the menu, I would imagine, a little bit. So I guess now that you have Leroy's in full control, like, what do you see as your guys' big, biggest differentiator? Um, and just kind of like, tell us a little bit more, like, about Leroy's, I guess.
2: I've had this conversation a lot with my mom because we so often get compared. D- Denver, in general, is not a huge bagel place. Um, there's – it's kind of few and far between. And – which is partially great for us, but also kind of sad – Um, but I feel like for that reason, we always get pitted against the other few shops that are there. And at first I like, it was this like mountain to climb to like become the best. And then I kind of, when I took over the business fully, I was finally able to like settle into the idea and the fact that we're really our own thing. You know, we're not a deli, um, we're not a full service breakfast location, um, and I, I realized quickly that like my goal for the business was quality product, like really use the best ingredients we can, um, try to use and highlight local as much as possible and really just be like a neighborhood spot. And I, as soon as I decided to focus on those things, I think we settled into our groove and it was no longer like what set us apart from someone else or what you know, what we did the same as anybody else, Um, it just kind of became our own thing. And it's been so nice and like such a relief to just be our own little niche (laughs) Um, and and not really have to like compare us to anyone else. Cause I, I don't know if you've been to any of the other shops in Denver, but my personal opinion is that we all do a certain thing really well. And I think that we all do it quite differently. So it's been a nice way to like have, I don't necessarily look at it as competition as much as just like a bunch of people that love good bagels and have been able to kind of bring that to Denver and, and do it with their own spin. So that's been kind of a fun part and, and realizing that and being able to grow with that idea has been really beneficial for us.
1: Okay. Well, and and you mentioned, and that's interesting that you had, you know, culinary experience in New York, naturally a great place to learn about bagel making. So yeah, I I want to dive into, you know, I know you don't have necessarily, you know, you don't view it as competitive, but I would, I would probably say, and you might agree that really what kind of separates Leroy's from your run-of-the-mill, you know, Einstein bagels is the fact that you guys make homemade bagels it is, and I put in the questions too, like a labor of love, right? It is, you're there early in the morning, you're baking it, you're not doing it the easy way. So for people that are bagel purists, I guess, and appreciate the homemade baking of, of, of the process of making a bagel, can you tell us a little bit about your guys, how Leroy's does it and how, you know, you were inspired maybe from New York, what you learned in New York and how you're kind of incorporating that here into your Leroy's recipe and process
2: yeah um so we do everything in-house as much as possible um so everything's boiled and baked there it's mixed in-house shaped all of that good stuff um and the, the focus obviously is the bagel um that said this has also been like such a turning point for me and is a, a newer like idea that I've had but um given my past in new york and like again frequenting bagel shops there and like when i say frequenting like i've been to them all (laughs) um i like again it took me some time to like really settle into what leroy's was about and like what our business model is but i think there was definitely that like first few years where we were trying to be something else you know it was always being compared to New York bagel um and what that was and what that meant and uh, the, uh, the slogan that came with Leroy's was serving Denver bagels which I saw as kind of a double-sided like serving obviously the city of Denver but also like a Denver style bagel yep. and again just being able to settle into like our own style our own thing, like not, not doing a New York thing, not trying to copy. And anyways, my, my point with that, that I've like only recently kind of come to the realization on, which has been really a nice change is I was back in New York in September and I was so eager to like, go back to all my favorite spots and see what they're doing and like get all this inspiration. And another huge thing was how they were handling the pandemic. Um, cause we've had a lot of hurdles with that. And so I was like, what are they doing that I could maybe learn from? And it really just gave me a whole sense of like stability in what I had. Um, and it made me feel really happy with, with where we were at and what the business is and offers. Um, if that makes sense. So b- basically in saying that, I was hoping to go and like get all this inspiration and come back with like a new flavor, or like a new way to do something. But it really just kind of reinforced that what I had, I was really proud of and happy with and that I didn't yeah. need to change it. Yeah. Um, which was kind of cool and, and reassuring. So, um, but yeah, it, everything is made in house. Um, we, like I said, we have, different mix shifts. So we have a few different bases and then obviously all the different toppings, I think total now we have 16, uh, bagel flavors, including gluten-free and, um, same thing with spreads. We have a huge array of spreads, which we've like worked to cut back and then had a ton of people just like lose their mind over us (laughs) taking their favorite away. (laughs) So we've reintroduced a lot of them. Um, but yeah, so we definitely, you know, we don't fall in the category of like necessarily the most traditional place ever. We do like a spinach bagel, which is pretty unique and a rosemary, which isn't always found. And um, yeah. so, yeah, we have like quite a bit. It's all done in house. It's really fun. And, and it's definitely, that's the creative side of things is being able to work on, you know, what we're, what our next creation will be.
1: So how would you specifically around the bagel making process I guess like you know I love the idea of Denver style bagels right so how what in your mind and you can just make it specific to Leroy's because I'm sure everyone does it differently but how is your process different from the New York process or how is Leroy's like Denver style like what's the biggest difference between that and what you kind of learned and saw in New York? outside of obviously they say like the water is great and that's what makes a good bagel, but the good beagle, but outside of that kind of oh. stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's kind of like mystical or whatever, but my, uh, my New York buddy actually was like, you need to ask her. He's like, I, he's like, I grew up in New York and he's like, I don't know if it's just New York trying to act like they're always different and always so much better by mm-hmm. having the water. But do you truly believe that the water is a, a change or makes a difference?
2: Here's what I will say about that. You, yes, will probably hands down have the best bagel of your life in New York. And on the flip side of that, I think there are equally just as many shitty bagels in New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably my best answer to that. Um, okay. But no, we, uh, I, you know, it's hard to say, I think what makes our process a little different and, definitely not unique, but a lot of places that are really sticking to traditional methods of like making bagels, will do hand rolled, um, certain things that you use in the kettle to boil them with. Um, we've like really kind of streamlined it and been able to make, like we're not doing hand rolled. I, I wish I could say that we were, but the reality is, is after like rolling 200 bagels, you wanna go jump off a cliff. So. um that's you know that's probably one thing that we would love to admit to doing but we just don't and um the way that they're baked is like pretty unique um just we use like a normal gas oven I think a lot of people use like these big deck ovens that are like rotating um wood fired that kind of thing and unfortunately our space just doesn't allow for it so we really adapted um really not because we wanted to do something different, but just because we couldn't do the traditional way given the space that we had. And so that really was like a big hurdle in the beginning of still making a quality product, but with the space and limitations that we had and that has kind of spun itself into this like different process. Um, so yeah, we just use like a normal gas oven. Um, we don't like bake them on planks we just use like a perforated sheet pan um so again like it's as it comes and from a culinary background it's probably the least pretentious way you can make bagels um and i think a lot of people that are just die hard you know bagel fans all have their opinion on how it's done um but i don't know i think like I said, for everything that we've kind of faced of how to make a bagel with what we had and the space we had and all of that, I think that we've been able to make something that we're really proud of, which has been cool. So,
0: yeah. I mean, it's the best everything bagel I've had. So, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, so Matt, this morning, we were this, this morning guess for the listeners, Matt and I went to, uh, Leroy's bagels. Um, and Matt did a little bit of Instagram stalking before he got there. Um, what I did so, with the, can you talk about your new bagel machine um, and kind of like what it allows you guys to do and like what makes it um, different than what you guys were doing before?
2: Yes. So when I referenced hand rolling, this was this has been such an adventure and such a like source of stress. So I love talking about <laughs> this. I'm so happy and proud to finally have this fixed. Um, and the reason I'm like, can say that after rolling, hand rolling 200 bagels, you wanna jump off a cliff is because the shaper that you're referencing is like our bagel former. And that's the actual machine that once the dough is mixed, it has like an infeed belt and it pulls it. And actually it will like cut and weigh each piece of dough and then forms it into a bagel. Um, so that is what allows us to produce as many bagels as we do Um, that said it's just an ancient machine (laughs) it's really old and um, it's kind of a lost art Um, bagel formers and and bagel machines at least in this um, in this industry or in this area I should say Um, And so getting someone to work on it was like pretty, pretty difficult Um, only because the brand of the machine without going into too much detail is, is since obsolete. So anytime I would call anyone that works on these machines, they were like, absolutely not, not willing to come and like possibly mess this up. We can't get parts for it. all of these things. So a lot of good and bad days with this, where it just really, you know, without that, we end up, hand rolling all the bagels and it's a nightmare. Um, So to finally, we've like finally worked. I've probably met and talked in some capacity with everyone in this industry across the US who does these machines. And I finally found an awesome company out of California and they have been so helpful in like troubleshooting what was going on. And they actually ended up finding a car park Um, so not a bagel part that was what this machine was lacking and needed replaced. And we've thankfully finally gotten it fixed. It's working. We're back up to speed and it's been such a relief because it was just always something was consistently breaking or like, like I said, no one would work on it. So very happy to have it to have found that person and to finally have it back in, in working order
1: this isn't part of our question. So I apologize for blindsiding you here, but whether it's the restaurant, just itself, a certain product, like what, what about Leroy's are you most proud of? Um, kind of from when you took it over fully to where you are today.
2: That is kind of a hard one. Uh, honestly, I'm proud of the product that we're putting out. Um, not to blame too much on that machine. Um, but there was a while there where we were just having serious consistency issues and the process of making dough is such a delicate one. Um, you know, if you put that dough through the machine a second time, so assuming it didn't come out right the first time because there was an issue or whatever, what have you at that time, it automatically is like a denser product or they come out misshapen or something like that. So, we really were like having an uphill battle there for a while with our product. So now to confidently be able to say that things are coming out as they should. And as we want them to is probably my biggest achievement to date. And and I feel most proud of like the product that we're putting out. I feel like, again, it's different from anything else you'll probably get in Denver, but I think that it's a really just to, to have my name on it and to be as involved with, or not involved, I should say, but what the product is and creating it to be what it is, has been really exciting and to see people's reactions to it, so.
0: I like it, like good answer. Um, so being, I, I, we do have a question. I mean, we did, we had meant to ask up front, but um, obviously you took out to the story, your name is Sarah and it's same Leroy's Bagels. Uh, <laughs> what was the inspiration behind changing the name? And how did you come up with Leroy's?
2: So a few things. So I'm a huge animal lover. Um, Leroy is a dog. So that just kind of felt right. And also to keep with, I didn't want to do a full rebrand um, when I took the store over because it was very much in a lot of ways, you know, it, it is actually, we've worked on, bagel recipe quite a bit and stuff like that so there are a lot of things that have changed since that but at the core it was still kind of that neighborhood denver bagel spot so it was dudleroy's and pulling leroy from that honoring the dog all of that good stuff just kind of felt right without like going a completely different direction and and making it something new um completely new i should say so question,
1: sweat. I forgot about that. And I, that was one of my things when I was leaving. I'm like, okay, her name's Sarah. And I, where, where's Leroy's <laughs> coming from? Like, yeah, no? Okay. So no, that makes sense. That's great. Um, all right, Sarah. So a fun question for you, uh, just to kind of chase some of these, um, other questions, how many bagels would you say that you eat in a week?
2: I will, I can easily say <laughs> at least seven. <laughs>
1: okay so one a day
2: um
1: I mean because like do you do like quality testing like are you back there tasting bagels to make sure that they look or they taste right like
2: that would put a whole new spin on it if you consider like bites of bagels Um, I guess I'm
1: considering (laughs) if you if you piece together every little bit of bagel and you combine all of them what what total number of bagels do you think that would be
2: I'll say this. I probably average now that we like that we've gotten everything kind of back to the consistency that we wanted at, I would say easily one a day. Um, yeah. I've had upwards of four a day <laughs> when I like, really, this was like right when the pandemic hit and I was there basically 24 <laughs> hours a day. Right. Um, yeah, I had a lot of bagels and I, it was definitely <laughs> not my brightest moment, but
0: <laughs> do you, do you go in like waves? Is there like some weeks you're like, wow, I really like everything bagels. Other week like we should like everything, like the whole pino or is it just kind of like, you know, whatever looks good that day?
2: Kind of whatever looks good that day. I tend to definitely put my wants aside. Like I love our jalapeno bagels. Um, however they sell out the fastest. So I tend to not have them because I want to make sure that we have them for everybody else. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like one thing that I can eat every day and I still haven't gotten sick of. It's been really great. <laughs> and I can always create like something new. Um, yeah. But no, I I do tend to go through phases. I went through like a really heavy locks phase and then I kind of burned out on that. Yeah. Um, my go-to is an everything bagel with chive cream cheese and tomato. Ooh. And I- could probably have that every day and not burn out on it um but yeah I try to switch it up just because I don't want to burn out on it (laughs)
0: yeah I think you are I think your bail shop's the only bail shop I've ever been to where it's like if you online order you put in you have you're required to put in your second option of bagel so you go in you got to put what you want but then like what's your second option in case you guys are out of it
2: yeah we um definitely learned that the hard way We had a few, um, I mean, you probably have even heard of it, and especially if you've come on the weekend before, but we had some major hurdles when COVID first hit of like, I think probably similar to other restaurants, just A, how long is it going to be around? Like how seriously do we need to take shifting our entire business model to fix this or to fit this issue? Um, And when it finally became like a really real not to say that it wasn't real, but like a, a on our end, a real thing that we were like, okay, we really have to adjust and figure out how to stay open and, and work through this. We implemented the online ordering and we didn't have that second bagel option. Mm-hmm. And we were selling out so quickly and we would end up getting so backed up because we were individually calling each person to say like, we're out of your bagel, what's your second choice? And they'd be like, what do you have? You would list it off and they'd oh, be like, hold on, let me get my wife and see what she wants. And we'd have to list it off again. So thankfully that was like a, a hard lesson to learn, but we have the option now, which is nice. So
0: yeah, that's nice of you guys actually call everybody. I feel like if I was, yeah. if I would have been like, all right, you're getting plain.
2: <laughs> yeah. Definitely had our moments of like, do Cause not everybody answers. Like when you're that busy on a weekend, it's, it's tough to like individually do it, but glad that we were able to and it was always really nice to connect with people and that was that in itself is one of my favorite things about having the store is like being able to connect with everyone and um people are always stoked to hear from you you know you're like in a rush you're like 40 tickets deep and they're like oh my god neighbor hi yeah (laughs) hey hey (laughs) um but yeah we we tried
0: yeah that's awesome and just curious, I know we talked about this, uh, when we were at Leroy's this morning, but for an average day, what time are your first people in the store and when is the last time you're at the store every day?
2: So we're open from six to two daily. Um, normally our baker gets in around three thirty or four, depending on what they have for the day. Um, and it's a Fairly quick shift actually for them. So it's nice because they get out early and they have their full day. Um, but then the opener gets there around 5, 5.30, um, obviously for the 6 a.m. six a.m. open. And then we have management come in after that. So it kind of is staggered. But normally the earliest that someone's there is about 3.30. Um, and then we're normally on a good day out by like 2.30. So it's you still have a little bit of daylight and, you know, it's nice.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's crazy early though. I <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'd be cranky.
1: I, I'd, be, I'd be like, I'll do it, but no one else can be there because I'm not trying to talk to anyone. I'm gonna go get my job done, chug all the coffee, and probably go back to bed.
2: I will say this, still to this day, it's it is never easy to get out of bed that early, but once you're up, like give me ten minutes and it's so nice. No right. one's on the road, you're alone, you can like listen to a podcast and just get into the zone. So okay. hey. there's definitely a A really like beautiful thing about it yeah
1: yeah definitely a little peaceful yeah well and so Sarah you you mentioned it in um just for our listeners if you're um if, if they haven't tried Leroy's and they're thinking after listening to this episode this weekend they'd love to do it it sounds like weekends are crazy so you would recommend probably going the best way to get a bagel on the weekend is go on your website order online and then go pick up Um, rather than just showing up in general and just waiting for a bagel, right?
2: Yeah, that's been another like a big hurdle for us through all of this is um, figuring out what works best. And because we are as busy as we are on weekends, there's inevitably a wait, which, you know, I wish I could really go into the ins and outs of that. But bottom line is everything's made to order. And because of that, you know, it takes some time um, but yeah, placing online is best way. Um, and it gives you like a confirmation time. And with that, we've actually finally took us a long time, but we've finally, um, hit that confirmation time. So that's pretty mm-hmm. accurate. And if it's not, you can always just check in and our managers are great about trying to bump you up and, and get you what you need when you need it. So, but yeah, anticipate a wait wait on the weekends, unfortunately, but not as crazy as it used to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, a weight's a good sign. If I'm at <laughs> right a right the place
0: there's no weight, I'm probably like, am I missing something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, Can you say, I guess, how many people would you, do you serve on a Saturday morning? Any <gasps> idea? Or how many bagels go out? Either I was
2: going h- to say, harder to answer than I would like. Um, only because, and we get a lot of complaints that we sell out early, which, you um, I'll say this, like the thing with bagels is some people will come in and only buy bulk. So if we get like 12 dozens, you know, it's going to wipe us out quick. But if people are only doing single bagels and sandwiches and stuff like that, obviously we'll have a lot more. So probably an easier way to answer that versus like how many people we're actually serving a day would be bagels. And on an average weekend, we're probably putting out about 1600 bagels. Uh, Yeah, which is... (laughs) has been so great and um again like the issue of selling out we're at full capacity with that so that's probably as many as we'll ever be able to put out which is kind of a bummer but yeah no it's a tiny spot so that's crazy of that at least yeah all
1: right well and to Sarah kind of end and, and put a put a bow on this whole thing uh, one last question for you here kind of around the future of Leroy's right so I don't know are you kind of content with being the neighborhood shop are there is there a potential expansion opportunities that you're kind of researching or thinking about you know what what does Leroy's bagels look like with a crystal ball in five years
2: um well we have actually are we're in the middle of lease negotiations right now for a second location um so that's really exciting and Obviously, we've had just a few very normal hangups with, you know, venting and all of that good stuff. But assuming that that all is good to go, we'll hopefully have another shop here within the next month or two. Um, that said, you know, our crystal ball for five years. I, I know I touched on this in the beginning, but really settling into like what the store is now and realizing that we're that neighborhood joint. Um, was really important to me so there's definitely expansion currently going on um, and hopefully like I said within the next five years beyond just two stores um, but definitely keeping the same tone throughout and continuing to kind of stay that neighborhood little spot and and the neighborhoods that we have looked at expanding into are very similar in, in you know demographic to what we have now as far as like Parks are nearby, a lot of homes, so they're still very neighborhood focused. Um, So hoping to, you know, keep the same model and just kind of replicate it a few times. Um, Yeah.
0: Will it be called? It will be, yeah. Awesome. Are you allowed to to say where your second lease is? Oh, man, everybody knows in the real estate world, you don't say until you sign the lease.
2: I was going to say. Um, I actually really was super excited and probably prematurely have already told too many people, but um, yeah. it's in the Uptown neighborhood. I'll say that. So Ooh, okay. yeah. Yeah.
0: I've learned that the hard way of uh, telling <laughs> where companies are going and where people are going and then uh, the deal blows up and it's just a scary time.
2: <laughs> it, yeah. But no, I, I hope, like I said, everything at this point is as far as, you know, I've been told is fairly normal. So I don't anticipate anything ever going completely smooth. That would be pretty curious. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, assuming that all goes as planned, hopefully it will it will be known to the world in the next month or so.
0: And uh, last question that we usually do, um, just kind of to, for Leroy's and for your, like basically give you a 30 second sales pitch, um, to kind of talk about whatever you want um so we give us time just back to you and say whatever you want to in the episode
2: um well first off I want to thank you guys for choosing to highlight us and having me on and letting me kind of talk about my baby um but yeah as far as Leroy's goes I, I know I stressed it a lot but it really is a neighborhood spot so we love when people come when they're involved when they tell us they loved their bagel or you know God forbid they don't, that they are open with us about that. Um, that's really like what we strive for and, uh, um, getting the best sandwich out there and, and the best product to people for a really decent price. So neighborhood spot that, you know, hopefully very soon we'll be open to indoor dining again and that people can just come and have their morning coffee and all that good stuff. It's, it's always been a fun hangout to, hang with everybody and meet locals and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, we're very excited. The Uptown, Uptown's a lot closer to my house than your current location, (laughs) so I'm very excited about that. Um, So, you know, looking forward to seeing, you know, going back to Leroy's more, having our listeners come, and then seeing how Leroy's kind of progresses in the years post-COVID. It'll be, it'll be cool to see, but Everyone, that's uh, Leroy's Bagels. Sarah Green, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, everyone, if you haven't been, go give Leroy's a shot and uh, give Sarah a COVID-friendly air high five for us uh, whenever you get over there. So Sarah, thank you so much again for joining us. It was awesome having you on uh, and appreciate the time.
2: Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate it.